Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. Our reading now from God's Word. First of all, just a verse from Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. And then another familiar passage from John, chapter 15, the vine and the branches. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, last Sunday, Mike preached to us on almost the last verses of James's Gospel, and it was about prayer for the sick, if you remember. And I was so glad of our modern technology, which meant that even though I was downstairs with the children last week, I was able to listen to his sermon later in the week at home, and what a good, sound sermon it was. 
Now, when my boys went travelling years ago, I would be waiting days, quite often weeks, for a postcard to arrive to let me know that they were safe. Nowadays, I can check on each day on my phone and see exactly where my son is and what's happening. Now, he's travelling in America for quite a while, and I'm getting to use the technology that means that last Sunday I could actually see him and speak to him when he Skyped, whatever Skyping is. <laughs> and I found myself checking my phone far too often. I can't stand it when I see people with their phones all the time, but I'm becoming one of those now because I'm constantly looking on Facebook and on the website to see if there's any news about where he is and what's been happening to him. But we had a worrying few days a week or so ago when after several days of photos and messages, suddenly nothing came through. There were no photos, there were no updates, there were no messages, and we had no idea where he was and what was happening. And when at last a photo came through, we realised that because he had been in Canada, there had been no signal and he hadn't been able to communicate. We'd lost the connection. Now, I was away during the first part of this month on holiday. And because of my son being away, and because we were in mountainy regions where we didn't always have a signal, I've been very aware of that word connection. We were holidaying in northern Spain, and in most of the places that we stayed, we saw signs in the towns and out in the country. I wonder if you've got a picture to go up there. No? You might have. If it comes, if you see it, pop it up. Don't worry if you haven't. Okay. Well, there was a, there was a sign on like a, a, a root board with a cockle shell on. And sometimes you would see them in the pavement. And that told us that we were on the Camino, which is one of the pilgrim routes across Spain that leads to Santiago to Compostela, which is on the northwest coast. And that cockle shell symbol is the symbol of St. James, and his bones are said to be buried in the cathedral at Santiago. And you would see cockle shells all over the place. Often the signs would be set in the pavement, little shiny brass cockle shells for you to follow and show you the way. Sometimes they would be on walls so that you knew that you were in the right street. It was often on hotels and hostels, because those places would give a discount to pilgrims who were walking on the way. I even saw a beautiful carved relief on the side of a building that showed a picture of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And that establishment would wash the pilgrims' feet and give them a massage if their feet were sore and they needed some help in that direction. In almost every town we visited and sometimes absolutely miles from anywhere, we saw pilgrims. Some of them were young, a lot of them were old, some of them were travelling in groups, many of them were alone. They all had huge rucksacks on their backs, many of them had a big walking stick or a pilgrim staff, and almost all of them had a cockle shell tied on the back of their rucksack so that you knew that they were pilgrims. They weren't just ordinary trekkers or tourists, They were pilgrims on a mission. 
And they came from all over the world. Apparently in 2009, when records were taken, there were pilgrims from 138 different countries who completed the pilgrimage to Compostela. In one hotel that we stayed in, which was actually an ancient monastery that had been turned into a part of it, into a hotel, I met an Australian lady and a Canadian couple. The Australian lady was in great spirits, despite a swollen leg, and she told me that while she was finding the walk hard going, it was such a blessing, deepening her faith and blessing her spirituality. The Canadian couple were also finding it physically challenging, but their faces were glowing as they talked about their journey and the experiences that they were having on the way. So why would people choose to walk 15 or 20 miles or more a day for at least 33 days, often a lot longer, over a distance of over 790 kilometers, uh, and depending on the route you take, more, We know that pilgrims in medieval times journeyed all over Europe on pilgrimage. They went to Canterbury, they went to Rome, they went to Jerusalem, many other holy sites. And many preferred, actually, to journey to our St. David's because the pilgrimage to St. David's was considered twice as good as a pilgrimage to Rome. I didn't know that. And in those times... The pilgrims believed that by visiting these holy sites, they could earn their way into heaven and receive forgiveness for their sins. These mostly illiterate believers, who couldn't read the scriptures for themselves, had received wrong teaching, and they believed that their way to heaven was through doing good works, going on pilgrimage, and giving to charitable concerns, often the church. Praise God that we know from being able to read the scriptures for ourselves and study them that it's only through God's amazing grace in giving us Jesus, who was willing to sacrifice himself and shed his blood on the cross, that we are forgiven and that we receive our place in heaven. We can't earn our place into heaven. We can't earn forgiveness. It's Jesus. It's all about him. It's all about the cross and his blood, his grace. Now, for some of these modern-day, more enlightened and educated pilgrims, I think walking the Camino is just an adventure, a physical endurance challenge. But for many, many of them, it is a spiritual journey. It's a desire to throw off the demands of the busy modern world and step back in time, following the ancient paths that we heard about from Jeremiah, seeking a deeper relationship with God. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But sadly, in Jeremiah's time, it continues but you will not walk in it. Today, I think more and more people are hearing the call to step aside and feeling the need to find rest for their souls. In each of the towns that the Camino goes through, a pilgrim mass is held every day, usually early in the morning or late at night. 
And the church attached to our monastery was one of those pilgrim churches. And it was designated as a house of prayer. No one was allowed to have a wedding there or festivals or anything private going on because that church had to be open 24 hours a day for the pilgrims to come in and pray as they passed through that town. And it was very moving to see so many people, young and old, intentionally seeking out God, searching for a closer connection with him. We live in a busy and demanding world, and more and more it seems that people are finding there is more to life than endless rushing and striving. Psalm 27 verse 8 says, My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. My heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. And for many walking the Camino, they're seeking a closer, more intimate walk with God. And that leads us back to prayer, which is what we were talking about last week, and our own walks with God, our own journeys. In our reading in John, which many of us know that reading so well, the true vine, we can see the importance of being connected, being connected, joined up to God. Verse 4 says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. When I got back from holiday, I found that you'd had an awful lot of heavy rain. I didn't. But it had broken off a branch of my gooseberry bush. And it was a shame because there were loads of little berries on that bush that were never going to ripen. They were no longer attached to the bush, to the source of their growing. And all of that fruit was lost. And you know, we are called to bear fruit, spiritual fruit. But if we are going to be fruitful, we have to be connected to God at all times. And all kinds of things can cause that connection to be broken. All kinds of things can come between us and our relationship with God. Might be things going on in our families, our relationships, our health, our work, our finances. All of those things take away our attention from God. But this is the world that we live in. On holiday, we visited a hermitage where a solitary monk had lived And it was a lovely little building right on the edge of the mountain looking out over a fabulous view. And yet when you went into this little stone building, there were no windows. If that had been mine, I would have wanted to sit and look out at that glorious view and give praise to God for how wonderful it was. But no, a bare stone wall with a cross. And that man would have gone in and shut his door and just focused on the cross. No distractions, nothing to get in the way of his meditations and worship of Christ. Well, we can't all just walk away from our families, from our responsibilities and shut ourselves away. So we have to actively and intentionally find ways of keeping our connections intact in the middle of our busy lives. And that requires a discipline We don't really like that word discipline, do we? But just as walking the Camino requires the discipline of getting up early, walking the route, carrying all your stuff on your back, 
So our spiritual journey needs discipline to keep us on track. So how can we keep that connection open? Well, first of all, and we say, I'm sure we say this in every service, we need to be reading and acting on God's word. We've heard that in our study of James. We have to make a practice of reading our Bibles daily, even if it's only one verse, and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us and putting what we learn into practice. We need to be in the habit of praying, not just at special times, but prayer being a constant conversation with God. Prayer isn't highfalutin long words and special, special things that we say. It's just talking to God and sharing with him. It's not just for asking for stuff. It's for talking as we would to a dear friend. It's for thanking. It's for praising. It's doing what we were doing at the beginning of the service, exalting and worshipping. And it's for affirming, agreeing with God's word and believing it and speaking it out. I'm always encouraged by the scripture that Mike spoke of last week in Mark 9, where the man comes and asks for healing for his son. And he explains the son's problem to Jesus and says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can, says Jesus? Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father replies, I do believe, but help me to overcome my unbelief. And just the fact that that man had had enough faith to come and ask was enough faith for Jesus to do the work of healing. And as we read the scriptures, we can be speaking them out and praying them in faith, knowing that God does hear our prayers and he does pay attention to them. He doesn't always say yes, but he hears them. And then we need to be meeting up with godly people so that we're built up, encouraged and nurtured. The pilgrims that we saw were having a great time each night, getting together with the people that they'd met on the road, the people that ended up in their hostel, and sharing what had been going on in their day and sharing their faiths. Mike encouraged us last week to pray with and for one another and to be willing to confess our sins, the stuff that we know we have to hand over to God so that our connection remains open. Because sin, in all its forms, will spoil our relationship with God. And that's perhaps something that we've got to work on and become more confident in doing so that praying for one another and sharing with one another becomes a natural thing to do. And going back to those pilgrims, a huge lesson that they have to learn at the start of their journey is to travel light. The first time I went away on a retreat, I was worried I would have nothing to do and I would, I would have time on my hands that I didn't know how to fill. So I took masses of books, I took art materials, I took my knitting, I took my Bible and my study guides and my notebooks and all sorts of snacks and food, and things I was sure I couldn't do without. And the nuns at the retreat centre must have had a good sense of humour because they put me in the furthest away hut, right up a hill, and I had to carry all that stuff up to my place. And I found that I hardly used any of them. It was quite unnecessary. And I learned a lesson. And next time, I still took too much, but far less. And gradually, I'm learning that God loves it when we can just be with him rather than needing to do all the time. 
See, we carry around such a lot of stuff with us, physical possessions that take up our time and our energy, mental stuff that fills up our minds and gets in the way. We can spend a lot of physical and mental energy in doing, often doing all kinds of good, worthy things when God is saying, just come, just come and be with me, remain in me, abide in me, be vitally united with me, and then you will bear fruit. And that's what our Christian journey is about, isn't it? Being connected to God, being part of the vine, taking in, fueling ourselves, nourishing ourselves on the goodness of God's word. Being obedient to what it says, because it's no good reading it, hearing it, and not doing it. And his calling to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And it's that fruit that is the evidence of our connection with God. The further we walk with him in his ways, the more we grow into him, the more fruitful we will be. And being fruitful means demonstrating to others, to those around us, those fruits of the Spirit. And we know what those are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Looking at that list, I know there are lots of those that I need to work on. But in these days, more than ever, the world needs to see people governed by those fruits of the Spirit and empowered by their connection with the vine. So I encourage and I challenge all of us this week to consider how good is our connection with Christ. Is it kept going by an occasional postcard? Or is there a constant stream of communication going to and fro? Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you that we're all on a journey with you. Some of us have only just started it. Some of us have been on the road a long time. But thank you, Lord, that we don't travel alone but we have you as our constant companion to strengthen us, to guide us, to protect us and cheer us on the way. Thank you for those who travel with us on our faith journey and for those who are travelling to the same end but on different paths. May we together draw closer and closer in our relationship with you and with one another. May we choose and make it our priority to be in constant communication with you. Help us to find ways to keep those communication channels open so that we can bear fruit and be useful for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.